Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. The title of today's talk is Stress is Bad. Can I get an amen? Stress is bad. Oh, man. Stress is not good, is it? I woke up this morning to a phone call that was definitely stressful. Um, and I was like, okay, Lord. Okay, put, trying to put me, put me to the test. Stress is bad. So less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good and tomorrow matters. And we are in the stress is bad. So I'm just going to read you uh, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 22 to 34. Uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the wildflowers, how the wildflowers grow. They do not spin or labor. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagans who run, uh, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Um, Well, I don't know what your family are like, but I tell you what, the heart of my family is around the dinner table. It is around the dinner table and it is good food. I am Jewish through my mother's line. I am South African and we love good food. I'm Christian, don't worry, I I believe in Jesus. But, you know, so you can imagine, we're all about food it's, this is where the deep chats happen around the table, the big arguments, the sombre moments, the not-so-sober moments, the moments where someone comes and says, I need to talk about this, or someone puts a question across. It's where your belly is fed and your heart is filled. Food, that's what my family love. It's what we value. So much so that growing up, I used to go shopping with my mum, and she would weekly spend £300 on a food shop. This is the thing that in my family we value so much so, my brother has just opened a good food, well, hearty food and a fine wine bar in Copenhagen where he lives, and he's named it after my grandmother. The heart of our family is food, that is what we value. If you're sick, you get chicken broth. If you're sad, you get cake. Okay, if you're if you're having a bad day, someone's going to cook for you. Be like, come and sit at the table. Let's have some food. 
the heart of my family. It's food, that's what we value. And it's what we spend our money on. It's what we've always spent our money on. And now I ask you, is good food a bad thing in of itself? No. No. Is having a cupboard full of fresh, organic, locally sourced, homemade food bad? No. No, it is not. It actually, is it something to be celebrated? Yes. But I tell you what, also in my family, it is a place of great and deep stress and financial strain. And for my parents, it has been this place year after year after year. Is food and good food in of itself bad? But is it where life in all its fullness is found? I would say no. Although, you know, I like to have a good full tummy. Now, from my family, I've also gained the love of wanting to have my cupboards full of food. Okay, so my mum has always had her cupboards full of all the food you could need. And uh, you will, if you go into the, our cupboards in our house, you'll find four passatas, four chopped tomatoes. You'll make, I always make sure there's at least three tins of baked beans. Um, there's enough food that if you want to make a meal, you can go and make a meal. Okay, I've just, that's what I've got from my mum. <laughs> I can always go to my cupboards and there's ingredients for a meal I can make. I have planned. And actually, I will panic if I can't get my passata. What am I going to do? There's no passata in the shops. I cannot fill up my passata quota. During lockdown, I was, I was never one to panic by. But I always made sure we had what we needed in our cupboard, just in case. Just in case, you see, what would happen if Mike got ill or I got ill and we needed to make food? What happened if I hadn't managed to get out and great get fresh food, could I still make a meal? I had meals planned so that if things got difficult, we had what we needed. And I ask you again, is planning and good storage in your cupboards a bad thing? I do not think so. Okay, is it good to have food for a rainy day when you haven't got out of the house? Yes, it is. And yet, when I can't get passata, or when I look at my cupboards and they are barer than I want them to be, does it cause me stress? I mean, sad to, it's sad to say it does. It does. And actually, is it where life is found? Well, no, I don't think anyone would say in my fully stored up cupboards, life is found. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, there were three friends who, who once went for lunch. The first one got to the table and there was two £50 notes on the table. He sat there looking at these £50 notes, thinking, OK, I mean, no one else is here yet. I, I could take those, those two £50 notes. That, that would be quite useful. Uh, I, like, I wanted a new iPhone. I've been kind of working my way towards that. Or the, there's those new trainers. Oh, he sat there thinking of the new things he could spend it with. And while he did this... Um, his friend arrived, his second friend. She took off her coat and then she saw the £100 on the table and asked her friend, oh, how are you doing? How are you doing? All the while, all that she was thinking in her head is, oh, £100, that would, that would be quite useful. That would be quite good for my rainy day pot, my, my little money pot in my room. 
maybe that might ease the worry, you know, just if I can't get out or I haven't got the money, that, that's my rainy day pot. And as she was sat there, she was mulling over this and her other friend was mulling over the things, thoughts in his head. The third friend comes over to the table and he sees the £250 notes on the table and he goes, oh, some, someone's left £100 on the table. Waiter, someone's left £100 on the table. And he just hands it over. There's three people in that story, aren't there? One who comes in thinking about, okay, what can I spend that money on? What can I gain? How can I gain a good life? How can that help me gain it? The other one comes to the table and is thinking, oh, that could go towards my rainy day fund, my, my, my savings pot, my just in case. And the other one comes over and it goes, oh, £100. That's obviously not ours. And hands it over. I wonder if any of those three people you uh, feel yourself pulled towards, maybe a bit of all of them. And I want to look at two big questions today when it comes to stress and money. The first question is, what does it take to have the good life? Or how can I have the good life? And the second question is, can I trust God to provide? So what does it take to have the good life and can I trust God to provide? In this passage today, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your treasure is, where your heart will be also. Or where your heart is, is what you treasure. So let's have a look at this first friend. I think the question that they are asking as they come to the table is, what does it take to have a good life? Like, what do I need to spend in order to get to that place? Maybe uh, it's this, the next new thing. Maybe it's the new car. Maybe it's the new shoes. Maybe it's the new house in the nice area. Maybe it's the new TV, the new mixer, the newest games. We've just got a new TV. And I really struggled with, like, how is this going to make me feel? You know, where's my heart in this? Maybe it's um, this first friend. Maybe you relate to them and... When you look at your year, you look at the paychecks to come, the thing in your head is, what can I gain with this in order to gain the good life? How, what could that £100 help me towards? I think stress here looks like frustration, frustration of not being where you want to be, not being where you perceive the good life to be. Um, because when you... Or, actually, the other side of that is that frustration is that you have spent the money to get there and you've put yourself in a difficult situation. A study by money-saving app USE found that um, 18 to 24-year-olds were simply too scared to look. They They only looked at their bank accounts every six months because they were simply too scared to look at their bank accounts. One article uh, that I found, ironically, from Klarna, which is a form of pay now, uh, buy now, pay later, said, most of the available financial advice and support does not acknowledge that for many of us, the subject of money is an emotional minefield. It doesn't make sense to separate money from the rest of our emotional lives when it doesn't live in isolation. The way that we feel about cash has an impact on every aspect of the way we live. 
What does it take to have the good life? When I get there, maybe when I get there, maybe when I get this, maybe when I get that job promotion, maybe when I am earning a bit more money, when I've got the house, I've got the car. Is it racking up debt on Klarna, on spend now, pay later? I, I do want to touch here on debt. The law of life might have meant that for some of us, we have run towards this idea, but in doing so, we've got ourselves into the red. And I'm not a money advisor, so I won't give you advice. But as we look at our hearts today, which is what I want to focus on and what the questions our hearts are asking, debt, the law of credit, of loans, of pay now, uh, spend now, pay later, pay monthly is real and it's everywhere. I was having a conversation with Daisy recently and they said when they went to go and get their car, it was just everywhere, all of the deals, the potentials you could do. Now, none of these in of themselves are bad. But it's what your heart is doing with it. And I just want to say, if you're struggling with debt today, that there's no shame, okay? There are places you can go to get help. A great charity is Christians Against Poverty, and they have a helpline you can call. There's debt centres in Manchester with wonderful people who will help you get out of debt. So if you're in that position, please don't feel on your own, okay? Come and talk to one of us, and we can pop you in the right direction or go directly to CAP. Debt is real, and it's this struggle, and it's this striving for this life. And some of us here, that actually isn't even a thing. Debt isn't something we've ever been in. But when it comes to our pay coming in, the next thing to spend our money on, the lure is tangible. And maybe looking at your bank account isn't something you like doing, or you do it rarely and with that stress tension in your chest. I'm really delighted, actually, that we as a church are taking hold of this subject of money And actually, we're going to be doing a budgeting course on the 2nd and the 9th of February. And if you are someone who looks or doesn't like looking at your bank account, and actually some budgeting tools would be really helpful for you, whatever financial situation you're in, this is a really great course to do. It changed my life doing this course. It's been so helpful for Mike and I. So if you want to come to that course, let me tell you. But anyway, back to the talk. So what does it take to get the good life? Does it take debt? Does it take being fearful of our bank accounts, not trusting your own spending of money? Well, Jesus says, consider the wildflowers. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. But your father knows what you need. Jesus is not surprised that we like pretty things. In fact, do you know what, even more than us liking pretty things, 
I think God loves splendid, beautiful, rich, awe-inspiring things. And he has made us to enjoy them and delight in them. But he is really clear and he says here, guys, little ones, my little children, this is not where life is. Yes, enjoy it. But life is not found here. Those things are here and then they're gone. Look at the wildflowers. The pagans run after the pretty things of the world. But God, who made them, sees their utter beauty and also sees that they are gone the next day. Life is not found in them. Uh, Who here has seen The Great Gatsby, the movie? Yeah? I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, being a true literature student, I I would argue the book is better, but the film is okay. Um, And actually, I think Leonardo DiCaprio did a good good job there. Because actually, Gatsby's ultimate quest was, what does it take to get the good life? His life was the pursuit of the life. This was a man who was searching for life in all its fullness, and he's made the money He is spending the money. He is lavishly throwing parties. This is not just like a house makeover. I like watching those those TV shows. This is a life makeover. This guy is is throwing the most lavish parties you you could ever think of. He's known, but he's almost known as a myth because his life is so lavish. People come to these parties, but they never see him. And you find out in the book, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, but you know, it's been around for a long time. Um, that actually the whole reason he's doing this is because he's in pursuit of this one woman, Daisy, and her love and affection. And Daisy is ultimately um, disappointed. <laughs> there's, this, there's this amazing scene uh, where he's in, in this uh, wardrobe. It's huge. Several, several uh, levels. And Daisy's down here, and he's up here with all his shirts, and he's just throwing red, blue, pink, yellow, green. He's just throwing, and they're just kind of going crazy and wild with all of these colours, these expensive, elaborate uh, shirts. And, and, and it's kind of like overwhelming just the wealth that is going on in that room, and it's just shirts. But at the very end, the, the kind of pinnacle quote of this scene is Daisy and and in the film she's sat in this pile of clothes and she says they're such beautiful shirts her sob she sobbed her voice muffled in the thick folds it makes me sad because I've never seen such such beautiful shirts before you see Daisy sees the opulent wealth the life that Gatsby has run after And it makes her sob. And I think in this moment, she sees that Gatsby, he is only that, and he is nothing more. This is a really sad moment in the film. Maybe like Gatsby for us, it's the lure of the city life. Maybe the country life, the car life, the working hard, the high income lifestyle the well-dressed life, the good food life, the life that looks a certain way. It doesn't actually matter what life you're running after. 
what you're searching for in your heart, if you're not searching for God, if you're not searching for the life that is found in him, all those other things are like wildflowers. Here one day, gone into the fire the next. There is no actual life there. Jim Carrey famously says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it is not the answer. That first friend sits at the table pondering the possibility of £100 towards the good life and misses out on the true life and grace given by God. This relationship with the one who is life itself and life in all its fullness. For this first friend, if you relate to them, there might be worry that will you ever get to that good life, that good place? Are you, and maybe you're willing to spend to get there. And maybe you've got yourself into financial struggle to get there. The stress is real. And Jesus says, look at these simple and beautiful flowers that are here for a time and then gone. Are you not much more precious than them? Verse 29, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. These are good things. The wildflowers are good for us to enjoy, but they will not last. Life in its fullness is found in God. So the second question Can I trust God to provide? I think that is what this second friend is asking. The second friend meets this friend and looks at this other friend and thinks, oh, well, they would just spend it. I'm going to put it in my rainy day pot. And they're asking that question deep inside, can I trust God to provide? And actually, they're acting as if the answer is no. I can only trust me. And the reality is that they are also missing out on the love, acceptance and true life and seeing God provide. That rainy day fund, that buffer or pot of protection against tragedy is a heart that is missing out on opportunity for living with God. Eyes on this world rather than searching for God Rather than spending money to attain life, this one is putting away money to attain life, to safeguard, without seeing that there is ultimately a God who safeguards you and me eternally. Not a cupboard full of my tins, but a living God. Much like our cupboards, our bank balances can be kept in order in order for us to be kept safe. And again, this isn't inherently bad. None of this is inherently bad, is it? But the stress comes when we set our treasures in the safety it brings or the things that that money pot might offer to us instead of the God who gave us the finance in the first place and ultimately holds us at the beginning and at the end And, and in between. Where is your heart? What is it treasuring? Can you trust God to provide? Can I trust God to provide? Well, Jesus says to this friend, 
I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this little thing, why do you worry about the rest? This passage follows the one from last week where the rich fool stores up all his grain. And then God says, fool, you're going to die tomorrow. What then will happen? He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up for things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Look at the ravens. Look at how God feeds them. How much more valuable are you? And this is hard, isn't it? This question of can I trust God to provide? And yet when we look at Jesus and we look at him saying, imagine him saying these words, it is an emphatic and simple yes. Of course we can trust God to provide. You are so much more valuable than those sparrows. Do you need to hear that today? You are so much more valuable than those sparrows. And yet God feeds them. Will he not feed you? He knows what you need. Recently, I was reflecting with Mike on the last year. And we were reflecting on how financially it has been one of the tightest we've known. It's felt really scary and frankly, quite stressful at times. Mostly it's because of the season we're in. We've got two little children. I've been on maternity leave, childcare. It's the season. But we've had to work hard to make our budget work. And, and it's been hard work. But I tell you what, the hardest work of all has been. It has been actively choosing to trust God every day to bring in the finances and to make sure that we have what we need. It has been trusting God that when we look at our bank accounts, there's going to be enough money. And I tell you what, it's been hard because there's been stuff like broken toilets (laughs) and money that we've needed to pay for a car or whatever it is, you know, stuff that has surprised us. So we have planned but stuff has come out of the blue. And in that moment, we've still had to trust God. We've had to trust God in the planning and in the not, not the stuff that we can't plan for. And we've had to ask those questions, like what does it take to have the good life? Like what is the good life? What does it even look like? Do we need to reassess that, that answer to our own question? Maybe we've answered that wrong. Maybe we've looked in the wrong places for what the good life looks like. And can we trust God to provide for us? The amount of times we've had to have that conversation. Yes, we can. We can trust God. You know, one of us is having a moment and the other, but we can trust God. Let's pray. When I started working for UCCF, I had to raise a third of my salary and it was scary. It was, I had to raise about six and a half thousand pounds a year. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> and I was, I was quite a new Christian. I didn't have loads of ties with church or other people who might be able to financially support me my my family aren't Christians, so um 
I had to, I was asking people to support me. And the thing that <laughs> took me the most surprise was um, I got an email from UCCF, the office, saying that um, a guy called Tim has uh, offered to, he's, gonna, he's pledged to give you money each month. And I was like, Tim? Like, what? What? Tim is my friend from university. He was, at that time, a missionary in southern Sahara, okay, living and trusting God for his finances. And he was the first person to pledge to give me money every month. And I just remember being like, okay, God, if you can bring in, if you can, if Tim's going to give, it's going to be okay. You know, like, <laughs> of all people. And he did. God, God provided. I then went on to having to raise £32,000 a year. And every single year, God bought in the money. You know? God is good. He looks after his children. The beauty of this last season for Mike and I is that we have seen God provide again and again. A tax rebate, a little bit more work. Lots of lots of ways that he has given us money in just miraculous ways, to be honest, every single month. And he's shown us in our weakness, he is strong and he can turn our feeble efforts into beauty in his kingdom. This isn't the first time that we've known him provide for us and it won't be the last. We've seen God look after us time and time again and we get to again and again because we're his children. Isn't that cool? You and I get to trust God with our finances, get to trust that he is truly life because we're his kids. We get to just come to him and trust him. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Saving is not bad. Don't hear me. I'm not saying that. Save people. It's a good thing to do. Planning and stewarding your finances is a good thing to do. It is a wisely and godly thing to do. But guys, if you are ultimately trusting in that storehouse or that barn or that amount of money that you have in your bank account, you're not trusting where God is and, and in God. Where your heart is, uh, where you, what you treasure is where your heart is also. So as I come to close, we're just going to look at that third friend. What does it take to have the good life? Can I trust God to provide? Those two questions. Well, what does it take to have the good life? When we look at Jesus's life, the life he lived here on earth, and the thing that he always kept his focus on, it was that goal of the kingdom of heaven, the presence of God. As Jessie so wonderfully shared last night, her safe place, her place of comfort and ease is the presence of God. His kingdom, his people, his presence. What does it take to have the good life? Well, there's nothing you can do to gain it. There's nothing you can buy to gain it. All you need to do is come. He is life itself. And in him, we can have life that wells up in us and overflows out to the world. Jesus' focus was where he was headed and why he had come. 
and none of it looked like what the world thinks is good. But it was truly where life is. And can I trust God to provide? Yes, you can. Yes, we can. We trust God as we trust him that he gave himself up on the cross, dying for us, rising for us, and giving us his Holy Spirit. We trust that he has us now and he has us eternally as his beloved children. He will give you what you need, not what you want. He will give you what you need and he will help you when it's hard. But his ultimate goal, Jesus' ultimate goal was not earth. It was his kingdom. And our hope is not in these jars of clay, but in God and his new creation.